So Jordan, you have no knowledge about Nate Dog or Warren G. You don't know. I, I, I know. I know who Nate Dog is. I recognize that name and know who he is. I don't know about Warren G. Might if if I see a picture of him, I might recognize him. Doctor Doctor Dre's stepbrother. Matter of fact, Warren Griffin is his name. His son Elijah played at USC. I don't know if he transferred out or finished there, but uh, and then I want to say Snoop's son. Cordell signed with USC, but I don't think ever went like quit football, gave up football before he went there. So yeah, then weird how all these rappers' kids ended up playing football. But where Did I want to start, Ross have a son. I don't know. You might yes. want to start checking some of those South Florida programs. You know, Eric was Eric. Eric Henry's telling me that's how wheels off it is. Where like one day you'll see a kid at like Miami Northwestern, and literally like the next week, oh, he's at Central now. Okay, and the kids just transfer in Florida like it's nothing. Like. A kid transfers in the state of Texas and it's big news, right? A kid transfers in Florida and it's like, it's Tuesday. Who cares? Dude, I remember, it wasn't this past season, but the season before, I heard about a kid going to Miami who transferred schools in the middle of the season and like was able to play with both yeah. teams. Yeah. I told you, man, my, one of my buddies uh, was a Jai Hall's coach and a Jai, I think, went to three or four different high schools. And like he gets my buddy gets credit for being his high school of note because that's just kind of where he ended up. That's where he graduated from. Yeah, a giant yeah. is finished at Bloomingdale. So yeah, it's it's weird how it works in Florida. But I want to uh I'll, I'll, I do want to start something up for you since you are a 49ers fan. I haven't talked to you since Sunday. Have you watched did you watch the Super Bowl? Any thoughts since you were busy and uh had to step aside for yesterday's show? Uh, no, nah, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. No, I watched it, of course. Um, man, I don't know. A lot of people have asked me my thoughts, you know, me being a 49ers fan. And it's like, look, dude, this is shit I said the last two weeks. Like, at the end of the day, none of this shit matters. <laughs> You're playing Mahomes, you know, like, yeah. Um, even me right away with the overtime rules, when we got the ball, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, like, come on, man. Even I know that, right? Yeah. And um, should have should have ran the ball a lot more with McCaffrey. I didn't like really going away from that. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, you gave Mahomes like eight minutes to score a touchdown to win the game. He's gonna mm -hmm. score a touchdown to win the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I was I was at a uh, Colin Kennedy's house watching the game, and I was literally like, they. Like, I know it's obvious, but San Francisco needs to score a touchdown because Kansas City will. Um, that's exactly what happened. I mean, look, uh, again, it's, it's what I had said all week where it's like it doesn't matter what I think is going to happen. None of that matters. Like, as long as it's close and if Mahomes has 30 seconds to go down the field, mm -hmm. he will do it. Um, it's crushing. You know, it's a, it's a best football thrower of all time. So, uh, you know, you know it's coming, but it, it's, it still hurts. So. That's what I was talking about that yesterday. And by the way, shout out to my guy Chris Dukes for filling in yesterday on uh, short notice. But that's, you know, I had some Texas related thoughts on the Super Bowl, and you can actually go to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel and get that. I'll post that on the flagship message board at Horns 24 7 here in a little bit. But uh, some Texas related thoughts. And, and that was one of them, Jordan. I said, you know, the quarterbacks, quarterbacks on the big stage, the difference between the good ones, or actually the difference between the great ones. And the elite ones is the elite ones do what Mahomes did. Like 
His teammates don't know how he's going to do it. They don't know when he's going to do it. But at some point, he's going to make you plays that win you the game. And I didn't think Brock Purdy played bad. It's just you're going against one of the top probably three quarterbacks that's ever lived in Patrick Mahomes. And you just couldn't you couldn't get it done. Uh, he, he That guy was better than you were on Sunday. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, look, Kansas City was definitely beatable, but I don't know. Like, you, you, your best player in the game is McCaffrey. It's like five yards, like every single carry. Just give him the ball, man. That's 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 it. But I don't know. The, the, the good thing is for me, um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a good thing, but the one in 2019 hurt a lot more just because it had been longer since we had been good. Um, but, you know, I don't know. As I've gotten more into into my job and work, like I pay a lot less attention to other sports. Right? Yeah, so, for sure. You know, yeah, I, I, like I hate kind of coming off as a casual, but like multiple times this year with San Fran where like we have someone off the bench in and I'm like, I genuinely don't know who that is. <laughs> um, where it used to be like, you know, I could go through the, the whole 53 man and the P squad. Um for sure, now it's, yeah. you know I'm not I'm not on Madden as much learning the learning the roster top to bottom or you know just watching the games is is in depth and is in detail you know because by by the time yeah. I get to Sunday I would have seen a high school game Thursday Friday college all day Saturday on Sunday I really just kind of want to watch Hell, you, you might have you might have seen you might have seen a high, a high school game or two on Saturday yeah exactly you know, I I know exactly where you are because. Uh, you know, the cow as a Cowboys fan, that's what keeps me attached to the NFL. The two things to do are the Cowboys, and then I follow the draft because it's part of my job now. Uh, that keeps me attached to the NFL. I'll be honest, man, when, when I watch an NBA game on Sunday and I'm really watching it, I text my brother, like, because my brother loves the NBA. I'll text him several times during the game, like, dude, I didn't even know this guy was still in the league, like, or, or this guy's on this team now. It's like, yeah, that's actually his third team in the last four years. I'm like, oh, like. I didn't know Mo Bamba wasn't with the Lakers anymore. Like when I went to that Lakers, that Lakers Pelicans game on New Year's Eve, I was like, oh, I was like, Mo Bamba's not here anymore. So yeah, it's wild. So I, I know where you're coming from as far as that goes. Uh, the, the one thing though, Jordan, that I didn't get to yesterday in my Texas related thoughts, I talked about the quarterback issue, the fact that you better be buttoned up on special teams. And Jeff Banks is worth every penny that, he, that Texas is paying him because special teams went a long way toward costing the 49ers a game. Uh, it's not yeah. so much about run the ball, stop the run, as it is about having protectors and having disruptors. Texas yeah. is getting there on the protectors. Still some room to go on the disruptors. The one thing that I didn't get to, though, and I think maybe more so than the run game, I think this was, if I was a 49ers fan, this would have frustrated me. And, I, man, I got no issues with Kyle Shanahan as an offensive mind, as a play caller, anything like that. But I just felt like the times where they, for whatever reason, decided to keep testing McDuffie and Snead. I'm like, they're probably the best pair of corners in the league. Why are you going to try to keep testing? Because when they went away, when they started attacking linebackers and safeties, they were able to move the ball through the air or when it was switch routes or something. But it was just like, hey, can our guy beat their guy? No, your your guy, Brandon Ayuk's an all-pro, but your guys aren't going to beat their guys. McDuffie's a first-team all-pro for a reason, and Snead's really good. So, that was the one thing that I thought. So I think it drove home for me like, okay, Texas needs to get much better at the corner position, right? Like there's a reason why it's been a focal point in recruiting, why they've tried to look at guys on the portal, why Sark keeps talking about needing to be sticking in coverage because when you do have elite corners, 
that's the kind of stuff you get. You can steal possessions away, you know, hold teams to, to field goals in the red zone instead of touchdowns. That's another reason why the Chiefs won the game because by themselves, McDuffie and Sneed erased two or three touchdowns on Sunday night. Yeah. Um, and it, another thing I hate about games like this is like, like people on Twitter aren't really talking about, um, you know, abandoning. Yeah, no, CB, that is, that is true what you said about it being similar to the Sugar Bowl. But, um, you know, like there, there's less talk about, I don't know, I guess how they abandon the run. Whereas everyone else is like analyzing the last play. And they're like, oh, someone should have blocked Chris Jones. Like it's the guard's fault. No, it's attack. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That where Brandon Ayuk was wide ass open, but since mm-hmm. Chris Jones is unblocked, like, like it, it's one play. I know it's an important play. It was the third and four at the very end. I get it. But like, win in regulation, you know, then you don't got to deal with giving the ball back to the best football thrower of all time. Like, there's, <laughs> I don't know. And like, with, with me too, like, I'm the type of, uh, I'm the type of fan where it's like, man, when I have a team in a game like this and like they lose, like, I don't want to watch the game again. Um, I really don't. I, I don't mind talking about it, but because like yeah. I yesterday, I kind of didn't really do anything except like write a book on my laptop. So like, I haven't been asked a ton about it, but like, um, eventually, you know, it's it gets old and it's like, yeah, we lost, dude. Like, it's you know, move on next season. Um, yeah, I uh, I still have not gone back and rewatched the Sugar Bowl. I will at some point. I haven't it'll be, either. It'll be part of offseason prep. Yeah. Um, I've watched the highlights and stuff. I still have never gone back and watched the full uh, the 2010 loss in Pasadena to Alabama. I still have not gone back and watched. I mean, obviously, I've seen highlights over the years. I still have not gone back and watched that full game. Even even that year's Big 12 championship where Ndamukong Sue just ragdolled the Texas offensive line. I finally went back and got to a point where I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. Like, this is too... This is too bad. Like you start feeling bad for dudes that Indomitian Sue, like I said, it was like it was like the big kid playing with all the little kids in town. He's just like smacking people around and just kind of doing whatever he wanted to do. He cost Colt McCoy a Heisman that night. Like if you want to know why Colt didn't win the Heisman in 09, it, it was because of Indomitian Sue. And honestly, man, I, I thought Indomitian Sue should have won the Heisman. I thought he should have been the first. I hate when people say like, Charles Woodson wasn't the first defensive player to win the Heisman. Like, yes, he was. He played freaking most of his snaps on defense. Like, he was, he's a freaking Hall of Fame defensive back. But he'd be the first defensive lineman, defensive only player to win the Heisman. I thought it should have been Sue. Sue was that good that year. Yeah, he was, I don't know, like, who is the last D lineman that dominant that college football's had? Before Sue? Or no, since no, no. Sue. Since Sue. Has there been someone that's like, he's like, look, like Tavondre Sweat had his moments where he's a monster, but like there was never at any point where it's like Ndamukong Sue, like I'll take his ass one versus five, like college Ndamukong Sue, one yeah. versus five, you know, he can take him. Um, Tavondre, I don't know. And also it took Tavondre six years. Did not There's take been it did not take Ndamukong six years. Uh, it uh, sweat was it was five, not six, but five, your point yeah. point taken, point taken. Um, man, I want to off the top of my head. That's a good question. Um, you know, I want to say that, like maybe there was one year where one of those Bama guys, like Jonathan Allen, 
might have had like a, a monster year. I think Quentin Williams, yeah, I, I want to say, Williams like, is a had one of those type years for Bama. Um, Osai, yeah, Osai. I remember I watched that, uh, that Osai Oklahoma State game on my walk off stack. Yeah, on my phone, middle of a shift. But uh, you know, at the like coffee shop I used to work at. You know what's what's interesting about that though? I was looking at it for some Jackson Jeffcoat stats, like because I'm I'm actually posting a story as soon as we get done here. It's kind of a tribute to Jackson Jeffcoat for his retirement from football because he retired last Friday from the CFL. Um, and I was kind I was looking at like I think we forget how how productive he was in in, in 2013. Jackson Jeffcoat had 13 sacks and 22 tackles for loss. And I was like, man, who's the closest Texas defender that's gotten to those numbers since then? And Charles Amenahu in 2018 had nine and a half sacks, and it was 18 tackles for loss. And that's the best season anybody's had since Jeff Coates 11 years ago. So that gets and, – and I wouldn't say Jackson Jeffcoat was – I don't know if I'd describe him as dominant. Not, not like Sue was in 09. That's yeah, a good no. question, Jordan. Like, I, I need to go back and, and look at it. Like, I want to say Quentin Williams, one of those Bama years, had a, had a year like that. Yeah, and I was I was kind of too young um, to really understand why I guess it happened. Um, but, I mean, I, I watched Jackson Jeffco when he was at Texas. War 44. Uh, it wasn't Sam Reed on the other side most of the mm-hmm. time. Sam yeah. Reed in that long-arm rush. Yeah, yeah 88. Um, but – but no, Jackson Jeffco, you know, I remember him obviously being really good. Like you said, he had 13 and a half or 12 and a half or whatnot. But what was the what was the biggest reasoning for, you know, why he didn't go high in the draft? Was like how many years is he at Texas? What, what was his height and weight? Like what, what was the reason? Because again, I was like 12, and it was like when you're 12, it's like, oh, this guy's good. Oh, he didn't get drafted. That sucks. You know, like you don't ask why or try to figure it out. Yeah, there were there were a couple things with Jackson. One, uh, his body started to, you know, he had a back issue in high school and I think an ankle issue that popped up during basketball season. Maybe it was a football thing. Uh, but he came to Texas not quite 100%. Uh, he was always, I mean, he was 6'5", legitimately, you know, 6'4", like 230-ish, 235-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... He had a couple big time injuries at Texas. One he had in 20, 2011, he played the last couple games and he had like he had double digit sacks that year. He played the last couple games with a torn pectoral. So he had to have pec surgery after the season. And then in 2012, in the Oklahoma game, he tore the other pec. So basically, he had two off seasons at Texas. The offseason between his sophomore and junior year and between his junior and senior year that were pretty much wiped out. On top of having the back issue, I think the injury history worried a lot of teams. And Jackson himself has said he's never really gotten a clear explanation on why he went undrafted. But I think mm-hmm. the injury history worried a lot of teams. And there weren't enough positionless slash hybrid defenses in the league at that point. To They really looked at him as a tweener. Like today, somebody would have drafted him in those middle rounds on, on or somewhere on day three as just a pass rush specialist because they could have done something with him. But it was kind of more of an all or nothing deal. Like if you're a, you know, you want like a, a Jason Taylor, you want like a premier edge guy. And he wasn't, he didn't drop well enough to be a, a linebacker. 
and was maybe too slight a frame, a little too lean to be an every down edge rusher. So teams really didn't know what to do with him. But yeah. he got, I saw him, I ran into him uh, after he had gotten done in the NFL. I think he was getting ready to go to Canada for the first time. I saw him that spring and he had, had a back surgery after he'd gotten done with Washington. He had a back surgery. And remember, I talked. To, I just told you, like, they had a back issue going back to high school. And he's like, man, I've never felt better than I do right now. And he ended up having a really productive career in Canada. But even in Canada, like, he had uh, a hip injury at one point. He just had – so basically, uber-talented guy. His body just let him down a lot. You know, never a thing with effort with him, never a thing with work ethic, with talent. It's just the, the body just wasn't – able to do what the heart and the mind were willing to do for Jackson Jeffcoat. But when he was healthy and on the field, there have been very few edge guys come through this program that were as productive as him. Um, How long was he in the league for undrafted? Two years. Two years. So he signed with the Seahawks, got cut by the Seahawks, signed with Washington, uh, spent some time with Washington, and then was actually going to make the Browns roster. So he had the back surgery, then ended up in Cleveland. He was going to make that roster. And then right before cuts, he had a hamstring injury. So he didn't didn't make the Browns roster and then went to Canada. And, you know, played six seasons in Canada, was there for seven years. The CFL didn't have a 2020 season, but, you know, he had played 78 regular season games, had 38 sacks, won two great cups, he had played 12 playoff games, had 12 sacks. So again, just a matter of, him just being able to be on the field and CB mentions a guy like the fact that Jordan Hicks has played this long in the NFL, considering all the injuries he had, he had, uh, I think it was like a torn hip flex or torn, you know, I don't know if it was a torn adductor or torn groin or whatever he had in 12. He pops his Achilles in 13 and I think had a pec injury at some point when he was with the Eagles and he's still, he's still rolling along. I mean, those, those two guys are just are freaks. The fact that they ended up playing professional football as long as they did in Jeff Coates' case and as long as he has in Hicks's case, even with all the injuries. Yeah. Um with with, with Jeff Coates, I know I know Hicks was Cincinnati or Cincinnati mm-hmm. area, right? Where uh what high school is Jeff Coates? Plano West. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like the, the Plano schools like Barf. Carrollton schools barf. Well, Plano, Plano West, Plano West is one of those programs, though. It's one of those high schools, and you, like you and I, have seen it covering recruiting. Like you go to some high schools, and it's like, okay, a lot of A and M fans and families that go to this that send their kids here. It's you know a, a Baylor school or whatever. Man, Plano West, it was heavy, heavy, heavy Texas fans at that time. A lot of kids pulling for Texas. A lot of families that went to Texas. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. Those those neighborhoods just like make me barf. Like the the thing, the thing I miss the most about living in Austin because like I've lived in shit nuts Mars Wednesday. I would have lived in Dallas for two weeks. Uh, starting tomorrow, right? I hate how in Dallas, like pretty much every like Plano is like I feel like Plano is ninety nine percent neighborhoods where the speed limit's like 40 miles per hour and it's two lanes and there's a stop sign like every half mile. Yeah. Like it's the worst. It's it's the absolute worst. Um, and also like 
Look, dude, you know, you, and in our job, we come across so many kids. So, like, uh, at least me personally, I've always found it so much more fun. Um, fuck, I don't know. Going out to Jasper, right? Going yeah. out to Jasper and sitting in a Jasper practice, you know, sitting in their little, uh, you know, coach's office or locker room, their, their area, seeing all the history, players that have come through, plaques on the wall. That mm-hmm. shit's cool. The kids from Jasper, places like that, kind of out in the sticks, or they don't really have people like you who come around too often. Mm. Um, that's cool. That's I I've always liked going out to schools like that a lot more than going to DeSoto or going to South Lake or yeah. um, shit. I don't know, Katie. Like it's nothing to do with the programs itself, but just that like. That's the expectation there. You know what I mean? Like these yeah. kids saw other kids grow up and go D1. They're next, right? Where it's like, I go to Jasper, Ty Anthony Smith or whatever, he's like, you know, I for recruiting, you know, it's just hard because I don't have people to ask. Like there's no one I know from around here that has ever been in these shoes, like stuff mm-hmm. like that. They have yeah. to figure it out themselves. And also they're just – they're more accommodating to media usually. Um, yeah. More appreciative. And honestly just – uh, the, the, I, I've always vibed or meshed with, I guess, more blue collar kids or, um, you know, I, I don't know. Just kids are more appreciative of things. Um, I you love get that in the smaller towns, smaller schools, rather than, you know, the Metroplex six days. That's why I loved when I was covering recruiting. I loved going to East Texas, man. Loved going to East Texas because Mike Valerie, when he was the head coach at Kilgore, would, would let me in and just, you know, chop it up. I didn't even make an appointment. To go see anybody, even like, you know, John King at Longview, like just kind of let me in. And I went to, I think they were doing spring ball and I watched a practice one day and uh, kind of showed me around the facilities and everything. And, uh, you know, Jeff Trailer when he was at Gilmer, uh, at, you know, the W.T. Johnson, who was uh, the late W.T. Johnson, when he was the head coach at, uh, at Newton. I told you the story. I went down there to see Kevin Shorter thinking I'm getting network quotes for him to commit to Arkansas. And he tells me he's picking Texas the next day. And we do the interview, and Coach, Coach Johnson's like, hey, uh, you know, we're, it was after a scrimmage. He said, hey, we're all going. Uh, it was like a like a KC Hall or a American Legion Hall. I forget what it was. He's like, we're all going down the road here uh, to have supper. You're more than welcome to join us. And it was kind of like it was kind of like it didn't turn into an invitation. It was almost like, no, we, we want you to come have dinner with us. So I ended up going, like, with all the, the Newton staff and all their wives and some of the players and stuff ended up going to have like a potluck dinner after a scrimmage. I was like, man, this is like, this doesn't happen at, you know, like you said, your big Metro school. So those, those are the kinds of schools that, that I miss going to the kinds of places I miss going to on the road. And by the way, for the record, I'm not knocking anybody at the school I'm going to mention specifically, but how I was treated at Newton treated the exact opposite when I went to West Orange Stark for the first time. So there's a, a, a interesting story there, but I digress. Well, um, it makes you feel better. West Jordan Stark has kind of fallen off the face of the map. They have, the haven't they? It's weird, man. Um, part of it, too, is because there are some schools down there that are starting to uh, maybe use the transfer portal. Yeah. What's crazy, I know some school, I know of a school in the Golden Triangle where, like, <laughs> I almost said their recruiting strategy. Um, but they they're pulling kids from Louisiana, like they're getting kids to <laughs> go to their school. 
Yeah. In the state of Texas. Uh, is Man- is Manny's a really good small school in Louisiana. Isn't Manny like 30 minutes from the border? Yeah, it is, but the it is. Um, I've never been to Manny, but everyone who has has said like it's like impossible to get to. And like it's they're like it looks close to the Texas border, but the way the roads are, like it's not close. And I was yeah. I've always been like, okay, well the the kids Texas recruited from there were, were gone by the time I came around. So it's uh, been Garrett Garrett Thomas and I think I think Myron Warren was a Manny kid. Yeah, Myron Warren was. Uh actually ended up at Texas State, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Part of that uh Bobcats team that won a bowl game, Jordan, <laughs> won a bowl game and drank Ford Stadium out of beer too. So yeah, so you want to talk about y'all's quarterback situation? Which quarterback situation? The Texas State quarterback situation? Mm-hmm. Um, hold that thought because I do want to mention something. While we're on the topic of Jackson Jeffcoat, and I mentioned Jordan Hicks, uh, I want to run down a recruiting class, the 2010 recruiting class that they were in. I'm just going to run down some names. and there will I'll be see common, if I recognize them. A common theme with all these guys. Jordan Hicks, Jackson Jeffcoat. DeMarco Cobbs, Trey Hopkins, Tevin Jackson, Adrian Phillips, Bryant Jackson, uh, Carrington Bindham, Taylor Bible, Greg Daniels, Dominic Espinosa. That's pretty much a big chunk of your class that at some point either Espinosa, Cedar Park. Yeah, before high school or at some point in college or both in some cases – had a major injury that required surgery and extensive rehab. So it's not that that class was bad. And those guys were the fourth-year seniors when that 2014 draft happened where Texas didn't have anybody taken. It was the first time Texas didn't have anybody drafted since like 1937 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was 37. I forget the year. But it's not that they were bad players. Like Trey Hopkins started a Super Bowl. I just ran down Jeff Coat. Jordan Hicks is still in the league. Adrian Phillips is still in the league and has been an all-pro. Uh, Dominic Espinosa started, I think, 40-something games at Texas. Uh, you know, Carrington Bindham ended up getting a cup of coffee in the league. So a lot of these guys, some of these guys like DeMarco Cobbs and Tevin Jackson are the two that, that stand out to me. Just and, and Taylor Bible, too, because of what happened to him in high school. Those guys had really bad injuries and just were never the same after the injuries. Uh, but that, I think that just shows you, man, sometimes it's not evaluation misses. Sometimes... You have recruiting classes that when they don't pan out or they don't quite live up to expectations, it has nothing to do with talent or anything. It's just dudes just sometimes just get hurt and never really recover from that. Yeah, also, I mean, the strength and conditioning program and that was all the other stuff at the time. dumpster fire at Texas at the time. Wasn't great either. Um, And by the way, have you noticed the – how Lincoln Riley's teams, their physicality always gets questioned, and Benny Wiley is their strength coach. You ever, you ever tied, you ever had tied those two things together? Interesting. I don't think that's a coincidence. But anyway, let's talk about the Texas State quarterback situation. What, what are we talking about? The fact that uh, the Who guy is the that quarterback ran, next year, the guy that ran T.J. Finley off, is no longer enrolled in school. Uh. Uh, who is the quarterback, though? Like, who's going to be – who are the guys in scholarship? Is Malik Man. Hornsby left? Yeah. That you is have P.J. A- Hatter from last year, who's from Westfield by way of Klein Oak. Straight baller, by the way. But I don't know if he's ready. Um, and then they got this the, – they have a kid coming in from San Antonio Reagan 
in high school in 24, but that kid's actually originally from Houston. Um, he went to one of the Cypress schools. I forgot what it was. But him and Trey Owens are actually the uh, like best friends. Or close, not best friends, but close friends. Um, did Cobb from Fluorville get a chance in the NFL? I'm not sure. Uh, definitely question for, so for Mr. Jeff. They've got three quarterbacks listed on the roster. They got PJ Hatter, Brad Jackson, who's the young man you're talking about yeah, from San Antonio yeah. Reagan, and then Carson Kaiser uh, from Bernie Champion, transferring in from New Mexico State. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, hope PJ Hatter wins it. He was a baller. Actually, uh, oh, my bad. Carson Kaiser was on the roster this last year. He just redshirted. Did not see any action. So. Okay. Fun fact, um, Mr. Jeff Howe. If AM doesn't flip Marcel Reed from uh, Ole Miss in 2024, he was a quarterback. Uh, he was either a low four star or like high three. Uh, star guy from uh, state of Tennessee ended up flipping from Ole Miss to AM like two days before signing day last year. If that doesn't happen, uh, AM's 2024 quarterback, their signing would have been PJ Hatter. Wow. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, they've been recruiting him. So, for what had happened with PJ Hatter, he was, um, I believe he played like receiver as a freshman or some shit, but as a sophomore, junior, he was this awesome quarterback at Klein Oak, like awesome dual threat. Just put up kind of really good numbers, but Klein Oak has sucked. Yeah, okay. Here I got his numbers right here. Looking at his Texas State bio, as a junior, threw for over fifteen hundred, rushed for over twelve hundred, forty-one total touchdowns, eighteen rushing, twenty-three passing. Or I'm sorry, eighteen passing, twenty-three rushing. Yeah. So. Um, me and a few buddies actually found him because Jeff, do you remember uh, Tim Verghese? Yeah, yeah. Tim Verghese went to Klein Oak, um, and you know he knows the Houston area pretty well. So he sent him to our group chat, and we were like, "Holy shit!" And we all kind of fell in love with him. Like during his junior year, we were like, "Why is nobody recruiting this kid?" Um, you know, he's actually really good. Like, cause he had absolutely nothing. He wasn't even getting like invited to camps. Um, and Westfield. Hit the transfer portal, uh, got him. He transferred to Westfield for his senior year, and he lit it up. His senior year was the best year he had. I mean, dude, he almost beat Duncanville like single handedly in the semis in Georgetown last year. Like the, I think Duncanville ended up winning that game by like ten, but uh, the game was way closer than the score, if that makes sense. And uh, I mean, with, with PJ Hatter, I know he might have had some other stuff besides Texas State, but but A and M was very close. Like they were going to have him on scholarship. Um, if they weren't able to pull it off with Marcel Reed. That's who Jimbo and, and those guys are going to have because they were having him visit like every other weekend that senior season or during a senior season to try to get to know him better or whatever. Dang. But, yep. But he, he's a baller. He can play. I just, you know, I don't know if he's ready yet um, at the college level. So. Well, I, I was kind of, you know, when the Jaden Delore thing happened, I knew that was going to be a bad look. And uh, honestly, man, I, you know, the Texas State, the student body, some of the alums kind of made their voices heard that they didn't want him on the football team. And I'm not saying that that directly played into to GJ's decision to, you know, ultimately for the kid to to leave school. But it just sucked that it cost you another year with TJ Finley where you could have really honestly competed for a Sun Belt championship next year with TJ Finley back. I really, I really do think that. 
But, you know, at the same time, if this buys back any goodwill that, you know, the current regime might have lost, then then I'm all for it. Because it's, dude, tr trust me, Jordan, when I was going to school there, and even long before I went to school there, uh, other than that 2005 run where they made the 1AA semifinals with Barrick Neely, a quarterback, with David Bailiff was the coach, nobody around there has cared about football. Nobody cares about football. Like when I was in school, it was like, okay, I can either uh, go to the tailgate and get harassed by the cops and constantly asked to show my ID and, you know, sit out and roast in the sun or LSU Georgia starts at 2.30 and I've got beer in my fridge and can stay on my couch. So, yeah, I think I'll just do that instead. Uh, you know, no, nobody, nobody cared about football. And the fact that people do, I think it's cool, man. It was cool being at that bowl game. It's cool that people at my alma mater, like I feel like I go to a, I went to a football school now. Um, so if that brought back some GJ, some of that goodwill, it was a bad decision in the first place. Uh, but I, then I'm all for it. Uh, also too, man, like if you'd have told me, Hey, Chad Morris is going to be back coaching football and he's going to be doing it as an assistant at Texas state under GJ Kinney. Uh, I would have lost that bet. Isn't he the receivers coach? He's the receivers coach. And I think he's gotten a pass game coordinator title as well. I'm about to look at this Texas State roster and see what receivers they have. See, I, I wonder if Chad Morris is still getting. Uh, Bro, I forgot that they got Tunmiche um, out of the portal. Really? Yeah, they I knew he left him. Michigan State. I didn't know where he ended up, though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, Isaac Norris, Lake Travis alum. Okay. Yeah. I forgot he existed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's on. He's a walk on though. He doesn't play. Um, Chris Dawn. I remember Chris Dawn and him being five seven. Surprise. Warren surprise. has another year. Yeah. Dang. Cole Wilson. Uh, I'll I'll uh I'll forever be proud for for saying Cole Wilson was a, a straight dude during uh during Pato's state championship run. What uh, else is even? Blake Smith from uh, the Oklahoma transfer. Quinn Ewers, former teammate at, uh, at Southlake. Barf. Barf. <laughs> I'll do respect to the Smith family. Apologies if you're if you're watching. This. Hey, Caden Watts. Caden Watts. That's a juice alum. Also walk on. Um. It's just Jaylen weird. Jalen Jenkins is at Texas State now. Wow. I remember Jalen Jenkins from Allen. I watched him play. Yeah. Um, it's just weird, man, to start looking at these college rosters and you're seeing guys run like their third or fourth school or whatever. Like it's, yeah. it's wild. It's wild. I like the Texas State on the uh on the football roster. It lists their Twitter handle and their Instagram account on there. In case you want to go follow somebody. <laughs> Texas, I don't know that many people that that do that. I don't know many schools that do that. So I feel like pretty much every school does now, actually. Uh, Texas doesn't. Um, have you seen the video of Chad Morris dancing from a few years ago when he was at SMU? Have not. Have not. Um, as long as I never hear the term, I'm, I, I'm cool with Chad Morris being at Texas State, as long as the term full tilt boogie never comes out of anybody's mouth in the media or i never have to see it around town like when i'm going to heb i don't have to see like hashtag full tilt boogie signs and i'm i'm good i'll allow it i'm sorry maybe i'm too young or 
I was born yesterday, but what what do you? That was about? that was Chad. That was Chad's little hashtag at uh, at Arkansas. That's oh. how he described how they were gonna like you know Sark's got the all gas no brakes bit, right? Hey, that shit's important. Like these coaches get hired, it's like in the first week you better come up, <laughs> you better bring something. Chad, Chad, Chad's at, Ar- at Arkansas was full tilt boogie. I mean, hey, everybody got on the Charlie Strong let's ride bandwagon, right? Yeah, but like, I don't know, two syllables, <laughs> cooler sounding, full yeah, tilt boogie. Full tilt boogie was not it, man. All gas, no brakes is pretty easy. It's going to yeah. get old eventually, though. Like, they're going to have to replace it. I do think uh, it's funny, though, whenever people say, uh, like, all gas, like, I'll see it on Twitter, all gas, no brakes, and they use the wrong brakes. And it's like, dude, uh, <laughs> I'm about the brakes that go on your car. Yeah. Or, or like, like, I broke, we broke bread or whatever. Yeah. I also love it whenever uh, kids will come into a school and a kid will be like, um, I'm committing to Texas University. And all the like fans lose their shit. And uh, the kid just has no clue. Yeah. And I'm up there holding my phone, like giggling. I know, I know you've gotten this one. The one that always, I don't know, the Texas University thing honestly doesn't, like, it doesn't bother me or make me chuckle. The one that cracks me up every time, though, is the University of Baylor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, dude, I had, we had uh, in Juice, in, in, in 2023, we had a running back go to TCU, Cam Cook. And I remember at his commitment ceremony, he said the University of TCU. And five minutes later, his dad was like, what do you think the U stands for? <laughs> the University of Texas Christian University. That's from the redundancy department of redundancy. Yeah. When people are like rip in peace, like you're going to rest in peace and peace. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's funny how some, some of the, a lot of those make me laugh. Uh, my, I know my brother listened to this show one time because he brought this up. He got half hot one time because I accidentally slipped and I said, uh, I was talking about, he's done it twice with me. One time I said ATM machine, and he goes, oh, you're going to the ATM machine machine? I'm like, my bad. So I tried not to say ATM machine in front of him. And then the other one that he ripped me for one time was, uh, I said I said pin number. I said, yeah, change my pin number. You had to go change your pin number number? I'm like, okay, sorry, grammar Nazi. Yeah. Um, but no, it's uh, <laughs> those are fun. I don't know how we got talking about Texas State football, but thank you, Jordan. I always uh, I don't mind at all uh, talking about my alma mater. Hey, there was a transfer that I saw. Um, that's always interesting to me. Like you look at you know, especially like the G five schools, see who all they got to transfer in. I didn't know that Jalen Garth, who was at Texas, transferred to Houston. I didn't know that he had transferred out, and he's at UTSA now. Um, I did see that. Uh, just because I think it was Mike who was doing it. Uh, Mike Roach, he, he had just taken some of the, the social media deliverables that ETSA had and posted them. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's cool trailing all those people or whatnot. So it was probably just showing love. But when he did, I clicked on and saw Jalen Garth and it was like, what the fuck? Like, he's at UTSA now? <laughs> but. Yeah, um, and uh, Tyler jo- Tyler Johnson's at Colorado, who's also at Texas. I saw that. I saw that. And I was at Colorado. The, man, the, the big thing there is if you're an offensive lineman transferring to Colorado, do you're a walk-in starter. Yeah. Because who, who else is going to beat you out? 
He wasn't bad. He started at Houston last year. He he basically played in one game at Texas, the 2020 Alamo Bowl against Colorado. And granted, going going to that game, me and about a hundred people in the stands. Uh, and plus, the, I think the press box had more people in it than the than the whole stadium did. But watching Colorado warm up and watching Tech, because you remember the Pac-12, some teams only play like three or four games, and the bowl, like a bunch of teams opted out of bowl games. Like you had Oregon was the Pac-12 champion that went to the New Year's Six with like a four, three and two record. Yeah, it was just kind of it was a wheels off year for the Pac-12. But I remember watching those two teams warm up. And I'm like, it looks like the JV's about to scrimmage the varsity is really what it looked like. I'm like, dude, Colorado looks terrible. And I think that Sam Neuer was their quarterback. I'm like, man, I've seen some bad quarterbacks. Like, he might be the worst Power 5 quarterback I've seen, the worst major conference quarterback I've seen since I've been doing this. And that includes all, like, the Charlie Weiss Kansas quarterbacks. Like, go down the list. Sam Norrie was bad. That Colorado team was bad. I don't know how they scored 23 points against Texas, but man, it was it was rough. Yeah, I remember I remember uh Hudson Card, Casey Thompson getting in that game. Everyone, everyone thinking uh man. <laughs> that, that that Casey was it and Casey should have been starting all along because he had that big third quarter where he threw for like four touchdowns in the quarter. Yeah, but nah, nah, man, we got two quarterbacks. Hudson was dicing it up too. Man, I, I felt so bad for Sam Jordan because I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm a, I'm a Sam Ellinger stand. This full, full disclosure. Like I'll drive the Sam Ellinger bandwagon till the day I die. Yeah. Also, I, I would forgot, just, isn't it wild how Alfred Collins like that? That does not it. it Saying that he was on the team and had that crazy pick, like it, it seems illegal that he's on this year's team. I know, I know. Like that feels way longer than however it's actually been. <laughs> that that just that's kind of what Alfred Collins has been to this point, right? And like, okay, he should be like in the NFL, like getting ready for the draft right now, being ready to be a high pick. But because we see those stuff, but that stuff, but it's like we don't. We're only talking about the highlights. That's why Alfred Collins is coming back for another year. But man, am I am I crazy for wanting to put Sam Ellinger in the category of elite Texas quarterbacks? Yes. Really? You think yes. I'm crazy for that? What what category is he in? Who else is in the group with him? To me, I, I have a tier system for Texas quarterbacks. Vince Young, Colt McCoy, Bobby Lane are in the top tier, right? Mm-hmm. Right. James Street gets a tier all to himself because anytime you're undefeated in your career as a starter. I, I got to give you that. So James Street is on like the one B tier. One A is Lane, B Y, and Colt. I would put Sam on that next tier below James Street, and it's like I would put Sam on that tier. James Brown would be on that tier for me. Probably like Marty Akins, I would put on that tier. I don't know if I'd put Chris Sims on that tier, but I definitely put those other three on there. What about uh, Tyron Swoops? <laughs> Uh, if there's a, if there's uh, okay. a tier for short yard quarterbacks who were short yarded goal line specialists, then yes, he would be on that tier for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hey, yeah, when, whenever you said whenever you said putting Sam amongst the elite quarterbacks, and I said no right away, 
It's because I thought you were going to just I, – I, I didn't actually think you were going to do it, but I thought you meant like up there with Vince and Colt. And I was like, Jeff, whoa. <laughs> you no, know, you got to yeah. – you gotta, but, you gotta. Be I, I, I can, I can get behind that. Some of the guys you mentioned, like, uh, if you like three of their name or whoever it was, you show me their highlights and are like, hey, who is this? I couldn't tell you. If you show yeah. me, you give me three names of three different highlights, and I have to mix and match. I'm getting them wrong. Yeah. But. You know, Mar Marty Akins was, uh, you know, Texas doesn't have very many All American quarterbacks, and Marty Akins is one of them. James Brown, just because, and I, I might have an overinflated sense of where James Brown belongs in a Texas quarterback ranking, just because he was my guy when I was growing up, more so than Peter Gardera was. James Brown was kind of my guy, and uh, you know, I remember his first start against OU and winning two conference championships. That means something to me. And then I put Sam there, man, because the whatever faults Texas had in eighteen, nineteen, and twenty were no faults of Sam Ellinger. I mean, yeah, like you, you sum up Sam's career. Like, I think the game that encapsulates Sam Ellinger's career, if like you want to sum up Sam's career, I think it's the 2020 game against Oklahoma because everybody remembers the interception he threw in overtime that ended the game. But if Sam didn't do all that other stuff, the game never even gets to that point, you know? So it's yeah. like everybody forgets all the great stuff he did to get you to that point. You only remember like, oh, Sam Ellinger always fell short. And I, I think I wrote this about Sam one time. I know, matter of fact, no, I think I did write about it one time. It wasn't his fault that he played really well in big games, but look at who outdueled him, right? It's Joe Burrow. It's Jalen Hurts. It's Kyler Murray in a Big 12 championship game. Like, it was just you were good, but you weren't better than some really elite quarterbacks at time. A 2017 game against Oklahoma's freshman year, Baker made just a couple more plays than Sam did, and that's why Oklahoma won that game. So uh, it's hey, but that is why Texas fans should be excited about this season. Um, you got the best returning quarterback in the in the in the game. There's you, an argument to be made. The Quinn Ewers is the best returning quarterback in college football. Can you can you honestly say like okay we we've had this discussion but now that I've you know the portals filtered out and like you've got a better grip on who's got what coming back is Quinn Ewers the best quarterback in the SEC? Hold up, I need to because the only the, the two guys that I would put in I don't even know if I'd put him in front of him but that I think have, are are in the discussion I think there's three guys in the discussion I think it's Quinn I think it's Carson Beck and I think it's Jackson Dart I think it's those three guys as far as SEC quarterbacks go yeah um, to be honest I haven't watched enough Beck to like you know I guess compare him to Quinn or whatnot mm -hmm. uh, with Dart I mean I like him. I think he's in a – I don't know about similar uh, – like he obviously didn't didn't have as high a status or whatnot as Quinn, but, you know, he was one of the higher-ranked guys. He's at USC originally. Yeah. Um, I don't know who I'd go with there, but, you know, with <laughs> – that it's a down year for quarterbacks in the NCC. I mean, how many times has, like, that chart been pulled up on shows or Twitter about Texas facing either a new head coach or a new quarterback? You know, yeah, I you know I uh, like uh, you look at a situation like Florida's got because Texas does host Florida this year, 
at what point could Billy Napier save his job if as soon as the first opportunity presents itself, he pulls the plug on Graham Mertz and just says, hey, win, lose, or draw, the best uh, the best option for this program going forward is to let DJ Lagway kind of learn as he goes. I don't know if that would save his job, but can uh, you can't convince me right now that Graham Mertz is a better option than DJ Lagway. I know that's saying a lot about a freshman, but that's to me more of an indictment on Graham Mertz than it is anything about DJ Lagway. Yeah. Um, the, the thing with DJ though, it has never been physical talent, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, honestly, he, he was a slower learner than some other kids in his class at, at quarterback. So DJ, man, I, I mean, I've never, like, I don't know anyone who's a Florida fan or follow any Florida fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> during like two weeks in December, they showed up my feet a bunch. Because they were all talking shit to me about Phil Samy, but um, Lagway, you can't play him week one, can't no. play him week two or week three. It's like uh, oh, we're five hundred and it's week seven. We'll throw him in there, you know. I don't know because with Lagway, it's like look here. Here's the thing: you play him too much. Uh, you lose because you have a freshman quarterback, you get fired. Mm-hmm. You play him too little, you get fired because you didn't play the five star. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, you know. What is, what is, what is, where does the, where does the middle ground lie? Where does the, where does the sweet spot lie? Yeah, yeah. I get that 100%. But hey, regardless though, um, you know, pe- people talk about portal players being the highest paid. And I just came up with this in my head, but could the highest paid players maybe be players at schools who are in coaching transitions? Possibly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if Lag was there, they fire Sunbelt Billy after this year. Lagway hmm. might get paid more than he's ever been just to make sure he stays there and, you know, go place for whoever the hell they bring in to, to coach. Here's what could help here's what could help Napier though, Jordan. You look you I look at their schedule before they go to Tennessee on October twelfth. They host Miami, which loss. Who knows what happens there? Loss. Samford at home, that's a win. Loss. I would hope that well, that's yeah. if that's a loss. And they lost App State, it's doable. If they lose to Samford, then Billy Napier doesn't even make it to the podium. He gets he gets Dan McCarney was the head coach at North Texas one time. They lost like 70-something to 14 to Portland State at home. Dan McCarney's post-game press conference, it wasn't Dan McCarney. It was the AD saying they made a coaching change. That's what would happen to Billy Napier if they lost to Sanford at home. They host Texas A&M. The the, the three people in the UNC press conference room were like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) They host A&M. No way. (laughs) Yeah. They host AM on September 14th. Who knows what the Aggies are going to look like? Uh, they got so many new faces. Dude, that is like a mid off of all mid offs. Jesus Christ. AM at the swamp. Yeah. I am so going to watch that, but like, it's going to be a painful watch. Don't get me wrong. Is it? 
Is it kind of like the old burning car on the side of the road? Like you don't want to watch, but you kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Florida's at Mississippi State the following week. New coach, brand new regime. And then they host UCF before they go to Tennessee. I mean, they could be, what, five and one, four and two going to Knoxville in early October. So it's not like it's just they're looking at, they're staring down the barrel like an 0 and five start or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm interested to see how Tennessee is going to do next year. I'm sorry, they could be three and two. I guess that that could be the game that gets that gets Billy Napier fired is at Tennessee because like if they're if Florida's two and three and then goes to Knoxville and gets boat raced, then at that point, you know Napier could be done and you know the Lagway era starts the following week. Or uh, at home against Kentucky. Lagway enters the portal after a year because he could because because listen. Listen to the I gave you the front half of Florida's schedule. There's the here's the back half. You ready for this? October 12th they're at Tennessee, October 19th they host Kentucky. Then you've got Georgia in the cocktail party at Texas, home against LSU, home against Ole Miss at Florida State. Boy, October November, the month of November is going to be brutal. You face Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss and Florida State in the same month. Like in a row, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, this is the first time I've ever been like, if I was a running back, I fuck the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, but that's damn, like I, I just realized, like. Fuck that, man. If you're, like, Sarkin, if you're Sarkin choice, that's why you got to take two a year, man. Yeah, like you're telling me I got to run into like three Anthony Hills every play for five weeks in a row? Yeah. Hell no. Nah. Shit, we're going to – I can't even go hide in the Pac-12 anymore. <laughs> that, um, the, the SEC the SEC in football, man, it's like the Big 12 in basketball. Like when you think like, okay, we got a night off. No, you don't, man. Because, like, the fact that, the fact that, like, BYU is a top 25-ish team and they're going to be, like, the seventh seed in a conference tournament, that it's it's wild to me. Like, if you look at the Big 12 tournament, like, the, some of the seven, eight, nine seeds, like, I think Texas, if the season ended today, I think they'd be, like, the eighth seed or the ninth seed in the conference tournament. They're, wow. pro- they're probably an NCAA tournament team right now. Why do they I'm, – I'm very much, very, very, very much a casual college basketball fan. Um, but I, I went and looked on ESPN today to see when Texas would play next. Um, cause I actually kind of was, I, I tuned in whenever they, uh, steamrolled West V, mm-hmm. but why is Texas off until Saturday? Like why is there, I know it's a big 12 thing. It looks everybody like. in the big 12 kind of has one of those stretches where you go like six, seven days without a game. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody has one. The Texas women had theirs, uh, last week. They had they played on a Sunday. They played K State on a Sunday and didn't play again until they went to TCU last Saturday. Yeah, they must be doing that for most of the men's then, because I think yeah. the only uh, Big Twelve games this week are there's like three today and then there's like six on on Saturday. Yeah, or if you if you look at the like the game like where you know how many games everybody's played, Texas was one game ahead of several teams. There were some teams that have already played eleven league games or whatever. But yeah, every everybody's got one of those where you get multiple days off. Mm. 
Gotcha. And you need it too, man, to catch your breath and rest up. I didn't expect to talk uh, Big 12 basketball. But we looked at Florida's schedule. Man, that's going to be the fun of it is, you know, the, especially year one in the SEC, like now you, you, ha- you have to pay attention to what Florida is doing. You've got to pay attention to Georgia uh, and all the teams on your schedule. Like, hell, I'm excited that I, I get to look at like what Kentucky and Mississippi State are going to do. I'm just, I'm, I'm pumped about it. Like, it's been a long time, Jordan, since I really, really studied an AM roster or an AM schedule like I'm going to have to this year. Man. I'm well, cognizant of it because of the recruiting battles, and it's AM. It's just kind of, yeah. you know, you don't just follow them the first, you know, almost 30 years of your life and then, like, oh, F it. I, I don't pay attention to the Aggies anymore. Yeah. So for, for me, um, I have nothing wrong with any players at AM. It's just the fans annoy me, uh, tend to annoy me. Not even like, um, just like Twitter fans, I guess. But for me, it's always hard. Uh, their middle linebacker, Torian York. Um, I've, I've known that kid since he was like going into high school. So um, Twitter's a cesspool anyway. Yeah, but I, I, I hate that one of my favorite kids, favorite players to watch ever plays for them um, because I have to share space with you know, other, I guess, A&M fans on mm-hmm. showing up my Twitter feed as well. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for that game to be back. Are y'all, are y'all going to that in person, any of y'all? I'll, I'll be there. I'll be in College Station. Get me on the field, Mr. Howe. <laughs> I'll be lucky to get myself in the door at that point. Yeah. But, Trey, just Trey and BK join us. We're about to hand the baton off. Uh, guys, I, Jordan and I were just talking about it. Like, I'm... I'm excited that like it, 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 there most years it's really hard for me to like study Iowa State schedule or West Virginia schedule and be pumped up about it. But like, you know what? Looking at what Florida does matters because they're on the schedule. Looking really into what Georgia does matters because they're on the schedule. And same with Mississippi State and Arkansas and Kentucky. Like it's the first couple of years in the SEC are going to be fun to really dig into some of these opponents that you and you realize like we were just talking about just a freaking meat grinder that league is week in and week out. It's almost like a war of attrition. That's why for Texas, man, don't don't sneeze at like the guys at the bottom of a recruiting class because you're probably going to need those guys to help you win games. Depth is going to be more important for Texas now than it's ever been. Yeah, and it's funny. Like the first few years of the SEC will be fun, but I'm also going to miss like playing West Virginia at like, 11 o'clock on FS1. I'm not, I'm not going to miss that. <laughs> and and like those, those gimme games where it's like, okay, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're going to, we're really going to have to mess this one up. Um, you don't well, they get did, really any, did any bye weeks. You don't get any free bye weeks like that anymore. There was a good 12, 13 years where Texas did that a lot where they messed it up. Oh yeah. Hey, but now we don't even have the Vanderbilt. option to mess it up. Vanderbilt is in the league, Jordan. There is a free bye week. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt go. is what Kansas was for a decade. So you do at least get one give me game. Not Vanderbilt, every year. Vanderbilt's got a nice little running back, uh, pride of the east side, Cedric Alexander from OBJ. He was a yeah. first-team All-SEC freshman team. Can he coach? Uh, I don't know about all that, but uh, shit. Vanderbilt, Van, it's not a coaching problem at Vanderbilt. <laughs> And hey, BK, dare I say, dare I say the worm has turned where you're not just going to go into David Booth Family Memorial Stadium on a given Saturday and just expect to win now. 
Now, ask Oklahoma about that. They found out the hard way last year. Damn, That's, talk that shit. Come on. I have to. I haven't been able to as a Kansas football fan in a long time. So I need you to do some recon, find out how much money like uh, like the Koch family came up with to keep Daniels there, to keep him out of the portal. Uh, or to keep Deshaun Warner com- committed. <laughs> Wow, this this is great. People are accusing Kansas football of paying people too much. I never thought I'd see a day where Kansas was getting accused of doing shady stuff in football. This is this is my dream, boys. Keep I, it coming. I've got a question for Trey before I get off here because I, I want to know, Trey and I have been following Texas football close to the same amount of time. Trey's a little bit older than me, but I, my, I, I tried to put the Texas quarterbacks in tears, Trey, all time. And so you tell me how, how off I am. I've got Vince Young, Colt McCoy, and Bobby Lane on a tier, the top tier by themselves. I kind of have an adjacent tier with James Street by himself because I think going undefeated in your career as a starter with a national title has to mean something. And then on that third tier is where I would put Sam Ellinger with like James Brown and Marty Aikens, I think those are the three that I would put on that third tier. I probably put Colt McCoy with James Street. Really? Yeah. So you'd say you'd have Vince Young and Bobby Lane on the top tier by themselves. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Shouldn't have uh, hurt that shoulder, Colt. <laughs> Loser. Is there any reason why Trey, or just this not the fact that he doesn't have the Heisman or a national title? That's part of it. I think that he was, he benefited from really good luck his freshman year. Sophomore year, you saw, I think, a more realistic version of where he was as a quarterback. And then, look, he was great as a junior and he was pretty good considering that the offense took a pretty big step back, especially that offensive line his final year. And of course, he was able to get Texas back to the national championship game. And We'll always get to wonder what would have been. We don't get to wonder about that. We know exactly what would have fucking happened. We were about to smash Alabama, <laughs> Nick Saban, from uh, from starting a dynasty. They probably would have won any national championships, and Texas won that. But instead, Mac Brown freaked out, decided to go power-eye offense, despite the fact that every player on his team was geared towards a spread attack. And the rest is a pretty sad 13 to 14 years before this last year. There's an alternate universe somewhere where for the 2010 season, Will Muschamp is the head coach at Texas. Charlie Strong is the head coach at Florida. And their careers take very different paths than they did in reality. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd like to live in that alternate universe, but I don't know. I think I think both those programs still head in the same direction. If each guy is at a is at the different spot, though, at some right? point, yes. At some point, yes. But BK, I'm if you'd asked me that like in 2017, I'd been like, hell yes, take me, take me to, you know, bizarre time. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm cool with where Texas is now. It's fine. Yeah, that was a long 12 years, and I am cool with where Texas is now too. But I'm not cool with what happened around here for a long time. So I I would have gone alternate universe, I think. Trey, are you going alternate universe or are you you taking the course as it's happened? You stay in the course? I'm taking the course as it happened because if we don't do that, we probably don't get Tom Herman and just have just a pile of embarrassing moments from our head coach that will hopefully help us avoid making that same mistake again in the future. 
the BKU secured the bag in a much uh, a less spastic manner than Tom Herman did. Yeah, Tom yeah, Herman looked like he was tweaking his nipples on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like my nipples as much as Tom Herman liked <laughs> his. The, apparently, he's, he's the guy from South Park that works for the cable company. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, you want different channels? Oh, this is the only package we offer. Mm. God, old school South Park is great. All right, guys, we will uh, we'll be back to do it tomorrow. We talked. We we went all we went from like covered the Texas State quarterback situation, Jackson Jeffcoat's career. We were kind of all over the place, but it was a good hour as we uh, turned it over to you boys. We, we are in random season now, boys. A great job today. Thank you, guys. We'll be back tomorrow. See you.